boys can walk. Some guys can grow. Strike an elegant pose. With a really applause. Some seem to have no faults. But we never like those. No, we don't. He'll praise your eyes. <laughs> your melodious laugh. <laughs> Call <laughs> you more lovely than others by half. Hey, Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast formerly about NBC's The Good Place, and now about whatever we feel like, uh, for the time being anyway. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she would climb out of her second story window in an instant for Nicholas Devereaux, it's my sister Marissa. I would throw myself down a 10-story elevator shaft. an elevator in the palace at genovia though i i I can't answer that we don't know what their accessibility laws are like (laughs) (laughs) so it's been a minute Mm. do we want to address this should we uh is this just the anxiety free cruise how are we handling this well, I mean, let's let's maybe give a little summary, I guess, of what's been going on in our lives. I mean, the the listeners probably, you know, care about that to some degree. Yeah. You want to go first? Yeah, I don't know. I've been trapped with my children for about three months now. Uh-huh. Uh, I have not been working, but I am financially taken care of, so it's okay. My children are... Uh, well, it's, it's harder to, it's hard to say who's losing their mind faster, my children (laughs) or me. (laughs) It's really a toss up. (laughs) And it's, they feed it. It's like a snake eating its own tail. It's an Ouroboros. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, certainly, um, you know, my seven-year-old is having a lot of difficulty with being out of school and not being able to see anybody. The three-year-old is pretty much chipper and cool, but he has started to invent imaginary friends, I think, because he's so lonely. (laughs) Um, I have really been taking, as I hope all of you are, I've really been taking the virus seriously, you know. uh, Certainly wear masks everywhere you go, please. Everywhere, indoors, anyway. You know, I've basically been going out to get groceries and, you know, go outside. But other than that, it's been pretty much... You know, an unending parade of identical days <laughs> for a quarter of a year. Uh, I did, however, turn 36 uh, a few days ago. So, hooray for me. Now I'm on that nice, long, downward slide to 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we both had quarantine birthdays this yes, year. Yes, we sure did. And I got there first, and I was really hoping you wouldn't have to, but here we are. Here we are. We, heck, we may have lockdown birthdays next year. <laughs> Oof. Oof. My goodness. Yeah, so I also, I am in the epicenter of the pandemic. Hello from Brooklyn, New York. And uh, it's been a wild few months. And I am, I feel like I should also be inventing uh, imaginary friends because I <laughs> live alone and therefore have very limited contact with with other people yeah you and i have opposite problems right yes. i am i am never alone yes and you are always alone yes yes i'm always alone <laughs> forever alone i'm gonna be forever alone yeah it's been i am freelancing now so i kind of have a, a variable schedule and it's been kind of a weird weird time to be looking for work a weird time to be 
trying to find gigs, a weird time to just be doing just about anything, really. But how often do you wear pants? Very little. Very little. <laughs> Very little. Um, I mean, are we talking about like sweatpants or are we talking about like, jeans? I think any bottom half covering that's not like undies or, you know, boxers or something like that. Yeah. Um, as it's gotten warmer in New York, uh, that, <laughs> it's my, my pants game has just gone out the window. <laughs> just a lovely image for all of you. <laughs> just imagine you just throwing pants out your window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I will address something as well. Uh, you know, listeners, I apologize, but there, you may hear like pops in the background or booms in the background and uh, everybody's okay. It's just that uh, some chaotic neutral youths in in Brooklyn have decided just to light up fireworks uh, every night. It's so far in June from, you know, the first night on through from about uh, 9, 30, 10 o'clock to uh, about 1 in the morning. So, you know, super chill time to have your life disrupted by, you know, booms and loud, just loud noises all the time. So it's it's been fun. That's been fun, too. <laughs> so here we are, and I'm actually very glad that we are doing this because no really because i think the for so for the first couple of months i think we were the two i mean i'll speak for me i was way too overwhelmed um with everything to even think about getting back on the pod but i think now that i don't want to say it's become more normal but the boredom has really seeped in the boredom (laughs) has kicked up a notch and also you know it's just nice to, I like to hopefully think that people will just be jazzed to like listen to something that is super just like fun and fluffy and relaxing, right? Like we're not going to spend the next hour and a half talking about the state of the world. No, I mean, I think we can sort of say up front, uh, you know, coronavirus is bad, wear a mask. Mm -hmm. And we can say up front also, police brutality is bad, Black Lives Matter. Yes. And then we can say, that is not what this podcast is about. No. (laughs) This podcast is if you are feeling... So actually, I should say, this was actually a major thing that happened to me over the last few months, is uh, I lost my cat. Mm -hmm. Um, My cat uh, went into kidney failure. And it was uh, a pretty terrible time. And the only, th- the only thing that got me through the, the couple, it was just really a week when it was really bad, was listening to old comedy podcasts. That, that was the only, I mean, I was holding it together just like on a wing on a prayer, just like constantly listening to this old comedy podcast. And, and that was the only thing that was holding me together. So yeah. I kind of feel like if anybody is, like, just white-knuckling it through (laughs) this either lockdown or maybe you live in Florida, (laughs) and then I pray for you, honestly. I mean, if you, I mean, yeah, one thing I will say is that when the, like, somebody on Twitter posted, like, the beaches in Jacksonville, and... Basically, Mike uh, Sure Mike Schur came on Twitter and, and was like, there is a reason we made <laughs> uh, Jason Mendoza be from Jacksonville, Florida. And somebody also somebody else pointed out 
that there is he ha- he does have a line in the show where he says one time I got a flu virus named after me because I kissed a bat on a dare and everyone is like what did Jason Mendoza start coronavirus <laughs> like in universe and you know that the Republican National Convention is now going to Jacksonville I didn't know that <laughs> yes I mean I thought I was like Jason Mendoza <laughs> They oh. were supposed to have it. I know we we promised to be a refuge. We're I, like five more minutes of this, guys, and we just got we just gotta we gotta wipe up three months worth of news. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they were supposed to go to North Carolina, but North Carolina has a Democratic governor, right? I did. And, that's the last I heard. Right. Yes. And the Democratic governor of North Carolina said, "You can have the RNC here, but you have to do social distancing and you have to wear masks and uh, you have to like present a plan of how you're gonna make sure that everybody can stay safe." Right. That was the deal. Yes. Yeah. And the current uh let's just say spaceship wreck that is the administration was like we don't want to have to do any of that (laughs) uh specifically the uh oh my god my bodega has to do that what do you mean you don't want to have to do that (laughs) well the head tangerine in charge said that he didn't want to give a speech to a half empty auditorium oh so yeah so then they moved they're moving to jacksonville and the jacksonville mayor was like this is great and everybody who lives in jacksonville is like um <laughs> I mean and that's if everyone uh, who lives okay, in not, Jacksonville. Okay, not everyone. Not everyone. But there's a lot of people in Jacksonville who are like, I don't uh I don't know about this. I sincerely hope that like Pillboy and Donkey Doug are planning some like epic prank on the RNC. And that would be amazing. <laughs> so Yeah, that is rough. That is really, really, really rough. Yeah, I didn't know that. But Good luck. Yeah, it's it's a situation. So let's talk about what we've decided to do for the foreseeable future. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually, I will also say before we do that, I will also say that I'm very glad, like we had some people on the on the Facebook group for a few weeks after we stopped recording, just like summarily stopped recording because like the world <laughs> came to a halt. People are like, oh, this could be a good episode, or this could be a good episode, and everybody was so helpful and lovely and wonderful, and we thank you so much. Um, and we, it's, I mean, we may go back and pick yeah. out some of those suggestions. I yeah. mean, no, no, no guarantees or anything, but yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but all, all we are trying to do is, would you call it the anxiety-free cruise? That's a, that's a my brother and my brother and me ism. That was after the 2016 election. There. <laughs> Their episode about that. Okay. Their episode right after the 2016 election is called the Anxiety Free Cruise, and they just like (laughs) whisper like sweet nothings the whole time. Like it's just like it's okay, it's gonna be okay. So yeah, that's where I get that. Right. So we are trying to provide solace. Yes. From a world gone mad, and so I mean we will be. We're never apolitical, right? I mean we're probably gonna talk about. Things like I don't know um, feminism as it relates to this movie because it's <laughs> kind of got a weird, twisted feminist message in yeah, it. Kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're never apolitical, but but we're we're going to do our absolute best as soon as we are done with this intro to <laughs> not reference 2020 <laughs> at all. <laughs> we just pretend. <laughs> That it is not the current year right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we hope that everybody's staying safe and we know that it's really, really hard. And yeah, we just hope that 
this can be like an hour and a half, like 90-ish minutes of a break for you in whatever your daily routine has turned into, <laughs> which is just one long day at this point. <laughs> it's, I think it's the Spider-Verse, in, Into the Spider-Verse, uh, Sweatpants Peter crying in the shower, right? That's, we've decided <laughs> that's, 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 that's the daily routine. <laughs> yes, that's certainly been me. And actually, that's a great segue because... Your husband, Chris Pine, was in yes. Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. And do you want to talk about the theme that we're going to do for the next few weeks, at least? <laughs> yes, for the next next few episodes, anyway. Brianna actually picked this theme, because I said, the thing we're going to do for the podcast is Princess Diaries 2, colon, Royal Engagement. <laughs> <laughs> because I watched a... Tra- so I watched the first Princess Diaries, having never watched it. I watched it a couple weeks ago. It's on Disney+. Plus. I watched it, and I was like... Well, that wasn't good, but it was, I don't know, it was fine, I guess. You know, I don't really understand why a lot of girls kind of imprinted on it, but okay. And then Disney Plus was like, hello, you've just watched The Princess Diaries. Would you perhaps like to watch Princess Diaries 2? And I'm like squinting at the screen like, you know, if I didn't know better, I'd say that was Chris Pine. And then I Googled it and I was like, oh. Uh, brah, 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 <laughs> pine alert, pine alert, pine alert. I'm like texting Brianna like, the, the Princess Diaries too. Did you know? Did you yeah. know? I'm making texting motions in the air. So Actually, this- it's my two thumbs are about three feet apart from each other and they're both <laughs> independently texting. So if I can, if I can set a little bit of a scene, a comical scene for Please. you. It was like, um, I, we, so New York City had a curfew for like a hot week or so and, uh, which was, you know, a lot of fun. And so we would get these alerts, like everybody in New York City would get alerts <laughs> oh, on their no. phone. So, to, you know, just imagine, like, they come at equal urgency. Like, <laughs> this, this like, curfew starts at 8 p.m. Like, everybody stay indoors, brr, brr, brr. And then Marissa going, like, did you know Chris Pine was in <laughs> Princess Diaries 2? And I was... I didn't know that. I had no! Princess so Diaries you 1 started, like a million years ago. Right, and I had never seen it. And you started just sending me like video clips from Princess yeah. Diaries 2 and the trailer. And I was just like, oh, uh, I I think we found our re-entry point <laughs> yes. to the podcast. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so this was, your, this was your birthday movie because you yes. wanted a really, like the least stressful movie the least mentally taxing. Yes, that's the perfect piece way. of cinema. It's like watching. I so I watched this uh, on this thir- this past Thursday, and I have to take notes while I watch it. So it takes me about you know two and a half to three hours to watch a movie of this length. And um, but I yeah, was, you do all the upfront work. I do the back end work. Yeah, it, it it evens out. Mostly. Yeah, no, and um, that's but what I was gonna say is like I'm happy to do that with a movie like this. I'm just like. <laughs> I, like you know there are some movies we've done where i've been like do i have to unpause this and this i was just like sure like whatever's next like everything was in like almost everything was entirely predictable and i just every minute of it was just like a like a warm bath that i didn't have to think about and i was like all in i have to admit i got very emotionally invested in it for one reason only and of course that reason is chris pine so like yes. every time Anne Hathaway, whose name is Mia Thermopolis, or the princess, whatever. Mia, yeah. Every time she did something idiotic vis-a-vis Chris Pine, I was, like, pausing and screaming at the <laughs> TV screen, like, what do you think you're- that is Chris Pine! 
How dare you? <laughs> but other than that, I was like, this is a very stupid movie. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not. And Chris Pine, arguably, not on screen for enough of it. No. And he, whatever he's in it, he elevates it, I think. Oh, for sure. Also, he was too clothed, I would argue. Yes. 100% <laughs> not enough. I thought for sure, like, when they went to that lake, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But I was like, are we going to get a, like, a like lake? Like a Mr. Darcy! Yes. But like a modern day Mr. Darcy where he just takes off his shirt. Just take off your shirt, Chris Pine! It's hard out here, okay? It's 2020! Can you take off your shirt, please? <laughs> And we're back. <laughs> we are back in business, my friends. Um, so he's so. Oh <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about Princess. He Diaries. is devastatingly attractive. I mean, he's like you could. Do you remember the old Monty Python sketch where they have a joke that's so funny that it kills the Nazis? Do you remember yes, this? And you can only. I do. You can only you pass along, you know, the, the allied forces have to one each word one, at a time. one word at a time of the joke. Chris Pine is like that, but with attractiveness. <laughs> yeah, so we are, I'm so excited, this is just lifting my spirits. Yeah, so we're going to do, basically, you know, Marissa's like, we're, we should do this movie. And then that kind of spun off into basically having a theme month or several weeks that we're calling pining for pine because you know it's not clear to me what we're gonna do next i mean we could do wonder woman certainly although i don't know that i want to rewatch wonder woman i mean i, I like rewatch I, would watch, I i liked wonder woman a lot but i really disliked the ending but i could i could rewatch it certainly and then Chris Pine has been in a lot of things that are, like, way too serious for the Anxiety Free Cruise. Yes! He, he was in... <laughs> He's, um, like, a very... He, he tends to pick movies with more gravitas, typically. He's got this a lot was of very, This Princess Diaries is very early in his career when he probably had less choice. But yeah, given that his 24 in this movie. Yeah, so given his druthers, he, t- I think, tends to lean more... Uh, heavy-handed serious stuff and like that's not what we need in our lives yeah right now. i mean i he does heavy-handed serious and he does these big tentpole movies so in addition to right. wonder woman he's done star trek and star oh trek yeah maybe Darkness. we'll just do star trek yeah that'll be easy so i would totally be up for star trek i really enjoyed both of them i loved Wonder. i have woman. never seen the new star treks oh okay then maybe we stars should stars trek yes the, he he did a movie a while back with elizabeth banks that looks like fairly you know Oh, yeah. Uh, People like us. Yes, yes. That seems very inoffensive. Yes. But yeah, we were really, we were going through his IMDb and like, I was like, like, (laughs) do a one line of that, of that, what is it? Like the darkest storm or something? (laughs) What's it called? The the finest hours. The finest is sure. is a. I was like, oh, he was so good in that. I was like, but we definitely shouldn't watch it because it is the retelling of the true story of the most daring rescue in Coast national Guard. Uh, Coast Guard Coast Guard history, which is New England in the winter, an oil tanker like splits in half, and these guys have to go rescue all these people from this big oil tanker and. You know, it's it's horrendo. I mean, I I watched it. I I could I honestly couldn't believe it was a true story and the guy survives. But so, but he's a real sweetheart in that. Spoiler. But I was just like, okay, well, obviously he <laughs> survives. So I'm gonna make a 
he wrote a book about it. That's why and they made the movie. There's like a there's like a very famous um like going off to sea movie where they do all die. I I don't like a true story one. Mm. Isn't it like Titanic. isn't it like no. <laughs> No, it's the one that actually is called, like, the biggest storm or the darkest wave oh, or the biggest typhoon or whatever. <laughs> the biggest typhoon. <laughs> whatever. Um, you know, it's like some John Krakauer or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Where they, like, go out to sea. And then they are, they they definitely are dead, dead so. Okay, so. <laughs> this movie, this was a Disney movie. They are not. Okay, And good. then um, he did, so Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman, got him... Uh, to star in a miniseries she directed for TNT called I Am the Night, which is about the Black Dahlia murders. And oh, I was like, no, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> well, I would 100% watch that under normal circumstances, but I'm not into that right now. And he did a terrible, terrible rom-com with Lindsay Lohan that I might... Woof. Oh, God. <laughs> I might force Brianna to watch. That would be pretty hilarious. He also did a movie called Outlaw King for Netflix, where he plays... Robert kinda, the Bruce, right? Robert the Bruce, who was associated with William Wallace in Scotland. It's not a good movie. It's incredibly bloody. It's incredibly violent. <sighs> I you know o- how I feel about violence. Yeah, I'm not going to suggest you watch it. The only reason I watched it... Is because he is nude in it. it are we what, for like uh, for like a hot minute? What which um like what's the camera angle on that? Um, like a split sec, a split second of full frontal, and then like oh. some full sidle for a Ooh, little bit. Full sidle, <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, Kate and I watched that movie after a very long week of work, and we just sat. Shouts to listener Kate. She and I sat and watched that movie together and ate brownies and just just chanted at the screen, you know. <laughs> Chris Pine nude. We didn't say nude. We said the other thing, but this is a family podcast. <laughs> Not even sure, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> so yeah, so we you know we'll, we'll find some things. I think we can. I think we can get a, a couple more, a couple to a few more episodes out of this. But sure. Yeah. Did you want to do housekeeping or do we want to launch into? Yeah, I mean, housekeeping, you know, hopefully we're back up on your on your podcatchers now, Google Play and, and iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also find us on goodplay.cast.rocks. If you want to rate and review us, that's wonderful. We're not really doing rev- review drives anymore, given, you know, we're, we're not really sure, you know, long term. But uh, you can also follow and like us on facebook twitter we are at the good play pod uh and you can send us an email at the good play pod at gmail.com you know all this i'll have to comb through the emails yeah i mean all this stuff's been a little dormant obviously given everything that's been going on but i did thank people up front for sending us uh options to do for hashtag quarantine cast uh on the facebook group that's been really nice and and now that we're sort of back on the back in the saddle if you guys want to send us more more ideas that would be lovely. I do have I have a listener email from like three months ago that we'll have to okay yeah respond to at the end. So how do you? I think we're we're ready to dive in. Yeah, to Princess Diaries two colon Roland royal engagement. <laughs> how do you want to handle the recap? Do you want to do oh, it? You want me boy, to do it? I don't know, man. How about you do it? Okay. <laughs> uh, and you'll just pipe I'll up. break in with all the times that I think that Mia was acting stupidly because i think it's a hundred percent of the time <laughs> i don't i just like up front 
I don't really care for her as a character. And this is not like, I don't have like Anne Hathaway hate. I know a lot of people have this like burning hatred of Anne Hathaway. I don't get that at all. I don't either. She just seems like a lovely, beautiful woman who can act. So yeah. good for her. She's yeah. been successful in life. I, I don't know why that, she hasn't like said anything problematic. Do you know what I mean? Like people just kind of hate her. Yeah, I don't um, get it. So it's nothing to do with Anne Hathaway, who I think does her best with the material. I just like the the character of this princess who is like fundamentally deeply immature, like immature way past what you would expect for someone who's just graduated from Princeton. And although, I mean, I did sort of say out loud, like, where'd she learn to be such a spoiled brat? Like, oh, maybe at Princeton. Yeah. Uh, but like, she just, she just doesn't treat anything with the gravity with which it ought to be treated considering that she's a college like the the first movie yeah she's like a kid and she's just been thrown into this in this movie it's like it's been like six years five years yeah five years okay and she's graduated high school and gone to college and certainly she's had some time to grow into this idea of like what she has to do and she still you know, it's just like wildly irresponsible and stupid a lot of the time <laughs> And just a lot of things that I'm like, I guess they're trying to make this like relatable to more like a tween audience or something. But she's just Probably. written, she's written so young when she should be, you know, relatively mature and wise, one hopes. I don't know how wise I was when I graduated from college. If you knew you had the weight of a of a country's fate on your shoulders, don't you think you would like, I don't know, be a little bit more respectful with a lot of things yeah i mean and that's an interesting point you know we're getting into discussion a little bit early but it's an interesting point because there is a point in this movie where her the the literal queen julia andrews says like (laughs) you know you don't have to do this if it's too much for you you don't have to do it and you know it would have been interesting if more of the movie was her wrestling with that you know do I want, am I ready for this? Do I really want this? But she right away is like, she has like two seconds of being like, oh my God. And then immediately is like, yep, I'm going to do this. And so. In fairness, it's the whole conflict of the first movie is whether or not she's going to do it. So to mm. rehash that as the conflict for the second movie would have been like a pretty lame decision by the screenwriters. That's, 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 I haven't seen the first one in a very long time. So I don't really remember. It's crazy. Yeah. you mentioned the screenwriters i have to say something right now Uh uh-oh this movie was written by shonda rhimes no it was not yes it absolutely was 100 (laughs) percent. she has sole writing credit does anybody have a story credit she she and somebody else have a story credit she is the sole screenwriting credit wow yeah, we're going to talk about that, but I just, because you God. mentioned screenwriters, I wanted to get that out. Jeez. All right, why don't you, uh, yeah. so, why don't you start the recap? So Shonda... I gotta, I gotta digest that. <laughs> so Shonda starts us off with Mia graduating from Princeton, and uh, she's like basically writing in her diary. Obviously, it's the Princess Diary, so if we get a rundown, it's like a convenient narrative device. Five years since the last movie... Um, her mom is pregnant again, and I just have to say, could you imagine having a college graduate and a newborn? I can't even. 
Lily, who's her best friend from the first movie, is in graduate school at Berkeley. Very appropriate place for her to uh, wind up. (laughs) Yes. So Michael, they just sort of write him out. Michael's the love interest from the first movie, uh, and they just sort of, like, write him out. They're like, thank God, he was a terrible actor. It was a terrible character. It was a terrible subplot of the first movie. I hated it. I Like, the whole romance subplot for the first movie was far and away my least favorite thing about it. I was so relieved that, like, in the first two minutes of the movie, they're like, he is irrelevant. It's like, great, thank you, moving on. By the way, in the books, she ends up with him. Yeah, we did find that out. Yeah. (laughs) Which, could you imagine? No, absolutely not. So, basically, the setup is that the queen... The uh, the Queen of Genovia, who is Mia's grandmother, who's played by Julie Andrews, uh, is set to step down at the end of the year, and Mia is going to step into her place and be crowned queen. And if you think that's really young, it's I, it's I around do. the same age as uh, as Queen Elizabeth was crowned. Yeah, I mean, it, well, I don't want to delve into like a history lesson. I mean, it would be really interesting to compare and contrast how like, regal and stately Queen Elizabeth was yes. with, with Mia's absolute disaster of a person. On the other hand, you know, Queen Elizabeth had just spent the prior years in a war. Like, literally, like, she yes. was not, she did not retreat to a country house, lest you think... No, she was... She she was in the war. <laughs> she drove ambulances and fixed up trucks and stuff. Yes. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. a c- complete bad A in World War II. Yeah, and, and also, I will say, like, Queen Elizabeth grew up in the royal family and and grew up around royalty in a way that Mia does not. You know, I think Queen Elizabeth from a very young age sort of that's part of been part of her breeding, right? To be sort of regal and stately and I can't believe we're comparing and contrasting the real Queen of England <laughs> with the with do fictional think, Anne Hathaway princess. Do you think like do you think like uh Queen Elizabeth ever like watched this movie? <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> anyway, she tells us that uh, she's never been in love and she's sort of like ready for a real relationship. And she wonders, I found this to be much like Frozen, where she's like, oh, I'm going to a wonderful party tonight for my birthday. And like, I wonder if I'll meet the one at this party. Uh, spoiler alert, she sort of does. <sighs> so there's this big ball for her for her birthday. She's turning 21 and Julie Andrews shows up and she looks fabulous and oh, God, such great wardrobe in this movie. Mia also arrives, and she's she's wearing this beautiful gown and a tiara, and she's still really clumsy, so she like knocks the tiara off her head. Anyway, so basically, this whole scene is Mia is sort of dancing with a whole bunch of different. It's kind of like a big old delegation. It's like a lot of. De- it's not just people from Genovia; they're from like all over. And so we see her like a smattering of her dancing with like a whole bunch of dudes who are kind of unimpressive in one way or the other. Raven Simone shows up. I don't know what to say about Raven Simone in this movie. She was she- not in the first one, right? No. Okay. She's because not. they greet each other like, "Oh my god, I missed you!" And I was like, "Did I forget?" That Raven Simone was in the first movie? I'm just going to Google real quick. Okay. While you do that, so Mia is talking to Raven Simone and she's sort of distracted. They're walking together and she steps on somebody's foot and she looks up and it's Chris Pine. And she looks at him and she has this like shocked look on her face, probably because he's so hot. And, you know, they actually, for all of Mia's sort of like immaturity, I think they actually have kind of a cute exchange here. And Chris Pine asks her to dance 
And she's like, what's your name? And he says, Nicholas. But importantly, he says, oh, just Nicholas, right? He doesn't give his last name. And then Mia runs into Viscount Mabry, who is played by uh, Sala from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> oh, good call. Yeah. I, I knew it immediately. When I heard the voice, I was like, I am the monarch of the sea. I was like, I know who that guy instantly. And he literally announces to the audience that he is going <laughs> yes. to steal the crown. It's, literally. I mean, yeah, he's, he, it is almost a fourth wall breaking. She's coming up to talk to him because she has to talk to everybody in parliament. And as she's walking, the crown gets knocked off her head by like a waiter. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She's like, it's cool. It's fine. And the Viscount says, I think he says something like somebody might take that, steal that from you. And she's like, oh, ha ha ha. And then she walks away and he goes, like, I want to do. In full voice. Full voice. In full voice. (laughs) And I was like, we didn't need that. Shonda, we didn't need that second (laughs) line in order to get that this guy is the bad guy. Shady. So, so, so Raven Simone is Princess Asana. Which she was, uh, I guess, named she for the was... project management tool that I use. <laughs> She's in, like, kente cloth at one point, right? Yes, yes. So something she very is similar. supposed to be a... Look, I don't... Should I eat... <laughs> I... Okay, look, I'm very white. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah. White. Yeah, yeah, we both are. We're both white. Um... I would believe that there is African royalty, you know, perhaps not of a country, maybe more locality based, not totally sure. Maybe I should just not guess. In any case, I just don't, I feel like they wouldn't look like Raven Simone. And they also or, wouldn't talk or like her. Talk like Raven Simone. Yes. I mean, she looks and talks like someone from Sacramento, California. She, she is fresh off the set of that So Raven. I mean, that's yes. what this feels like. This movie was shot in California for the most part. And so it is not out of the realm of possibility that she <laughs> was stepped on, off the set. She was at like Studio City and then just like went to wherever, <laughs> you know, Pasadena or wherever they filmed this. <laughs> it's been a while. I mean, since. maybe it's for the best that she didn't try to put on like an African accent? Would yeah. that have been worse? It would have been it would have been way worse. It would have been I just it was such a baffling baffling decision this this movie is from 2004 yes so but I I just say that because I I just think it was I don't think we were at a point unfortunately where we were having a lot of conversations about like diversity casting and those sorts of things and having maybe larger talent pool but this is a pre this is a pre Black Panther world is that what you're saying yes which, like, what, how crazy would that be if they're like, you're from Wakanda? Um, <laughs> but also, like, it sort of makes sense to me if this movie is for a tween demographic, that in 2004 they would cast Raven Simone because, you know, that's who her fan base was. Right, but it's just so crazy that she's not basically like a Meghan Markle. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. she's not someone who happens to exist in like a European monarchy or I I don't really know where else there would be monarchies. You know, they do uh, all the princesses seem to be either from Europe or Africa, right? Like that when she has the princess slumber party, they all seem to be from either Europe or Africa. Like those are the two continents they seem to be pulling from. Yeah. 
But, like, instead of saying Raven Simone is, like, the... You know, she could... Look, mixed-race people are obviously very real and exist in Europe. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But it just was so strange. They put her in kente cloth and made her an African princess. It was so strange. <laughs> it was very... Well, I have a lot of... I think this... That sort of thread of the conversation for me is also i have a lot of questions about genovia oh for sure a country which we'll get to so the next morning uh mia uh is told that she has to meet her grandmother in the throne room um and at the same time genovia's parliament is in session and the parliament's all dudes and um mabry who's the guy who literally wants to steal her crown starts giving a speech about like royal succession and this distant bloodline and blah 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 and meanwhile which is bs because the whole plot of the first movie hinged on the fact that there was nobody else to take the throne that if mia refused that the russians would take i mean they don't use the word russia but it's obviously russians that russians would take over genovia i'm really glad that you recently watched this movie because i don't remember a thing There's nobody else. It's a dire emergency. If Mia doesn't accept her heirness, then the whole country's gone to pot. But now Chris Pine exists in this movie. Fine. Sure. Whatever. Well, I also got the sense that, like, maybe it was made up or maybe it was, like... I mean, it's it's very con- it's like a convenient grab for the throne. It doesn't seem super legitimate to me. So... Maybe it's possible that... But that was... If that's true, I mean, that that should have been part of the story. Like, I, yeah. you can't... It's not Shakespeare. You you can't force <laughs> me to do that kind of deep reading, right? It's a Disney movie. Like, if right. there's any question about Nicholas's claim to the throne... Sorry, I spoiled who it was. You spoiled uh, it! <laughs> <laughs> then that should have been a plot point. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Basically, like, Mia is just getting lost in the in the castle... And he over, she overhears, uh, she's in this like secret room and she hears that basically, I mean, basically it's all trumped up sexist nonsense where a bunch of these old guys are like, we don't think Mia's like fit to be on the throne. And also we have this law. This was the other thing that made no sense to me. Like we have this law that a queen has to be married in order to ascend to the throne. And Julie Andrews pretty much says we've never enforced that rule. And... I mean, you, well, I mean, you wonder how many queens they've had. Yeah, it does seem like a real bro fest up in, up in there. (laughs) Even because later, like, she's looking at all the paintings of the monarchs who came before her and, like, Julie Andrews is the only woman, so. And she's not, and Julie Andrews was not the queen, right? She was married to the king. There's a difference, right? Mia would be the queen and her husband would be a prince consort versus Julie Andrews is queen to a king. Yeah. So basically the the parliament says she has 30 days to find a husband or she forfeits the throne to Mabry's nephew who is also turning 21. And Julie Andrews is like shut up and then so one thing I will say and I will like point this out along the way the bit players in this movie I think are doing just doing great. Because she's doing she, a lot of heavy lifting. They're yes. doing so much heavy lifting, and she goes, shut up, and like everyone in Parliament looks shocked, and then the Prime Minister is like, uh, in America, <laughs> shut up doesn't always mean 
shut up it can sort of it just is an exclamation of surprise like he's right which is by this is taken from the first movie yes you you probably don't remember but no that's one of the only things i do remember is that (laughs) they're like you're a princess and she's like shut up and julie andrews is like horrified at her rudeness by the way this is the first time that i was like rolling my eyes at mia because she's hiding and listening to this i'm like okay good and then like they say she has to be married and mia like screams out loud like why are you that and i'm like (laughs) A little bit of stealth, just a, a modicum. She didn't roll very well. Um, <laughs> Mia, of course, knows about it and freaks out about having an arranged marriage. And I actually thought this was like a sweet thing to include. You know, uh, Clarice, who, which is the name of Julie Andrews, but I'll probably just keep saying Julie Andrews, was married in a, was like in an arranged marriage with the king and basically said like he was my best friend like we really did get along we just weren't passionately in love uh and she's got her own subplot about this because she actually loves the guy who is her head of security played by Hector Elizondo the incomparable Hector Elizondo <laughs> she said and and Mia's sort of like well I really want a passionate love and and, you know, Julie Andrews says, like, you don't have to go through with this. And, you know, if it's too much, then it's okay. But she sort of looks at the picture of her dad, the the painting of her dad and all the other monarchs. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, it's important for me and I want to be sort of close to my dad. So then we sort of cut to, like, you know, Mar- spoilsies from Marissa. But Mabry <laughs> is talking to his nephew and it turns out it's da-da-da-da, Chris Pine. Of course it is. And again, Mabry just being it's, like... It's Chekhov's Chris Pine. Come yes. On. And Mabry's being like incredibly on the nose once again, <laughs> right. where he's like, he's like, this is how we're going to get the throne. And he he they're playing darts and he like brings the dart up to the dartboard. And Chris Pine's like, that's cheating. And he's like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. It was like that that bald face the next day or whatever clarice is like going through her appointments and there's a very overzealous trainee security trainee under joe who's played by who again sounds like he's from sacramento i mean there were so many people in this movie who were supposed to have been european and sounded like they were from sacramento yes it was like i i'm pretty sure they like took that guy from like the craft service table (laughs) right yes he was also not much of an actor it's true yeah and he had frosted tips i was like okay so clarice has invited mabry and his nephew to like stay at the palace with them or the castle with them so that she can kind of get a better read on the situation she's like like, a keep your enemies closer situation yeah she's like if there's any shenanigans like i want to (laughs) know I would love to hear Julie Andrews say shenanigans. But anyway, <laughs> and Mia sort of like doesn't want to be nice to the nephew. And, you know, she's like, how do you know? You've never even met him. And then it turns out that she has. And she kind of, <laughs> this I actually kind of loved. She she kind of freaks out. And he's being very, um, you know, he, he we're going to talk, I think, in depth about the way Chris, <laughs> Chris Pine acts Chris in Pine. this movie. But he's sort of, he's very, he lays it on real thick when he, sees her again and she stomps on his foot like full I hated on. this. This was you when did? I pa- This is when I paused the movie and said this is unacceptable behavior. I don't I don't care. Th- <sighs> Come on. This whole situation is she's trying to prove that she's worthy to take over the crown of this country and the first thing she does when she meets her foe, her the the other person who is vying for the same thing is she acts like a child. 
I mean, the absolute amazing thing for her to do here would have her would f- for her to have been like complete ice queen, like just to hold out her hand for him to kiss it and to say, "I'm so sorry, I don't recall meeting you." Oh, you say we danced together? I'm afraid it didn't leave any impression on me. Ooh, that uh, would have been good, right? Call Shonda, and, and, <laughs> and you know, well, I'll, I look forward to getting to know you more. I'm so I'm so sorry. My schedule is so busy. I, I will have to see you later. She could have played this perfectly. I mean, this I don't know if this is really a I don't know. I'm not even saying it's a weakness in the screenplay per se. It's just something that made me not like the character and not think that the character was like ready to do the thing that the whole movie is setting her up as being ready to do. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I think it's it's she goes very often for the thing that is i mean this is a theme throughout the entire movie is she goes for the thing that makes her feel good in the moment and she doesn't think about the other responsibilities that she has and she doesn't think about the people that she is impacting along the way i mean and it's one thing to kind of be the ice queen in the moment and then privately have a freak out i sure i would have been all on board for that i did like her well so here's the reason i liked her stomping on the foot is not the fact that she stomped on his foot on his foot, but the fact that afterwards Hector Alzando's like an accident, and Mabry's like, yeah, of course. Like they are sort of playing a different game, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. But yeah, I, I I see where you're coming from, and and I can understand that. Like it's it's gratifying in the moment because you know he's really being kind of smarmy in a, in a way. But also, it's it's not it's certainly not the regal thing to do. <laughs> like, right? It doesn't convince me that this character is ready for the responsibility that she's you know competing for. Yeah, for sure. And then Clarice finds Mia like digging into a pint of ice cream, and Clarice is like, "What was that?" And Mia's like, "Well, I felt foolish because I met him at my party, and he didn't tell me who he really was, and da da da." And she goes, "As a queen, I cannot condone it. As a grandma, I say right on." Which is kind of exactly what you're talking about, right? Like, it's fine for you to freak out in private, but in public, you have to have a certain, like, gravitas about you. Je ne sais quoi. Yeah. Yes. And so then Clarice, we have this digression into Clarice showing Mia her new suite. Oh my god, those that jewelry, Brianna. So, like, redonk. I don't want to be a princess, but I do want a princess's jewelry closet. (laughs) Yes, yes. <laughs> it was very nice. She had, I, I kept thinking that she had a closet that Cher Horowitz from Clueless would just die I for. thought this was the same thing. I was like, this is a Cher Horowitz situation with like the computer program that tells you what to wear or whatever. That must have been a thing like in that time period. Of- These movies are almost 10 years apart, though. That's not true. Yeah, I mean, Clueless, I think, was 96. Oh, wow. And so Lily shows up in the closet which is kind of like a fun gag and the girls are like oh my god it's like you know and and julia's like okay and (laughs) she's like i'm getting married and lily goes to who and she goes i don't know we have to talk about lily too because she does a complete 180 like almost unprompted does a complete 180 later in the movie but they're reviewing potential matches including prince william which i found really funny because it just shows you how old this movie is and I love this, that they're looking at one guy and they're like, oh, he's handsome. And Joe, the head of security, goes, his boyfriend thinks he's handsome, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes! I was like, that's Hector great. Elizondo, yes! <laughs> um, so Mia picks out this Englishman named Andrew uh, Jacoby, 
Uh, and he's like a duke from Kenilworth, something like that. And we get a montage of Mia and Andrew going on, like, set up dates. And, God, the paparazzi in this movie are so irritating. I think this is, like, real, though, in Europe. Like, that's my understanding. Is, what, like, the, the paparazzi in Europe are, like, really, really, really bad. Yes. And they particularly hound people who are royal. It's why, I mean, it's part of the reason why Harry and Meghan were such a huge deal when they, like, split from the royal family not that long mm. ago. Mm. She was being, like, mercilessly hounded by paparazzi. But yeah, so they, you know, we sort of see them, like, getting together, getting along, and, you know, doing all sorts of datey things, and he proposes to her, and he's like, it was my grandmother's ring, and it's enormous. Like, talk about the jewelry she has. And they have this big public celebration that looks like it's about 50 people. And... Chris Pine is like, listen, you know, says to his uncle, like, well, Mia's engaged. And so, you know, uh, them's the breaks, I guess. Like, you know, we tried and didn't work. And his uncle is like super creepy and is like, she's not going to be happy with an arranged marriage. You have to seduce her and like show her what real romance is. And Chris Pine is like, I wonder what my dad would think of that. And, and Mabry's like, no, your dad is all on board, was all on board for he this. He told me on his deathbed that, like, make sure my son, like, tricks a lady <laughs> into falling in love with him, it's, but then he becomes king. <laughs> it's very, it's, yeah. And then there's a servant who's like, who eavesdrops on their conversation. And that comes back later. Mia is sort of just like hanging out in the palace and she's hiding from her ladies in waiting who are hilarious to me. They are so funny. They were really, I found them so annoying. I mean, but that's the point is that they're annoying, but they did such a good job at like being like earlier when we meet the frosted tips kid who is like working on security. She's like, Oh, you've met like my housekeeper and like the two maids for my daughter or for my granddaughter. And he's like, Oh yeah, I- I'm doing a background check on that one. And the other two, like, st- like just step away from her without saying anything. <laughs> it's those sorts of like visual things that I was very into. Fair. So she's hiding from them. Cause they're, they're like on her all the time and they're just trying to be like, Attend, they're trying like, to do their job. They're trying to attend to her, and she's just not used to it. So she's like, don't follow me around. And so Chris Pine shows up. Brianna. <laughs> I literally looked at him in this outfit, and I went, whoo! Um, in, like, a black pinstripe button-down. Yep. There were like, a lot of pinstripes on Chris Pine in this movie, and they all worked really well. I'm not I don't know why it. I'm yelling. <laughs> And, like, he's wearing all black, and he's kind of doing the, like, George Clooney thing where he, like, tilts his head down, but, like, then looks up at her. And he's got, and I, Kate, listener Kate will laugh at this. His eyes are so blue. I've said, So blue. I've said this before, and she laughed at me for saying it when we saw Wonder Woman together. And his eyes are as blue as the cartoon that he plays in Spider-Verse. Yes. Who has cartoon blue eyes. That's his actual eyes. <laughs> yes. And he kind of, and he kind of, he shows up like all cash and he, he just starts nagging her and like, I'm sorry, but it works. It's very, (laughs) I'm very sorry that this works on me still, but it does work. (laughs) I thought I matured to a point where I was like, no, no, no. Men being nice to you is like the real thing that we should all want. But like, you know, he starts nagging her and I'm like, well, (laughs) 
I have not matured as much as I thought. So she gets flustered and she's like, really, she's mad at him. And she's like, you didn't tell me who you were. And he was like, oh, yeah, because when I dance with people, I always bring my family tree. Like, (laughs) you know, that's a good point. But he knows, right? And so they like, they end up in a cupboard, like a closet, like a pantry. Yeah, they're hiding from the staff, I think, basically. And a servant kind of interrupts them C-3PO style. And they're <laughs> they're like very close to each other and the lights are off because she turns the lights on and he turns them back off. And word travels really fast because Joe tells uh, the queen about it, saying, and he says that Nicholas is known to be quite the ladies' man. I mean, I mean, dur. <laughs> And then we get this, We so this is one of the subplots, I think probably the only subplot that's worth anything, which yeah. is Joe and Clarice have have been together basically this whole time since... I, I mean, I don't think they were together while her husband was alive. Right, but since she's been a, a widow. Which hasn't been that long. It I mean, it happened less than a year, I think, before the first Princess Diaries movie is set. So yeah. it's been, you know, five years, five, six years. Um, and Joe basically says, like, you're not going to be queen anymore. So, like, we can be open about our relationship because they've been sort of on the DL this whole time. Although and- it's kind of an open secret, it seems like. Right. But they haven't, like, formally announced it. And right. so he's like, hey, can we be open about our relationship? And she's kind of hedging. And he's like, look, just think about it. And she's like, okay, I'll think about it. And... Then we just get a montage of Mia having queen lessons. She's really bad at archery. She learns how to use a fan. That was so stupid. It was very super stupid. And then, like, Mia watches this thing, this sort of, like, tradition that they have where the queen basically is greeted by... It's kind of like a citizen complaint board. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, they all come up and... This is a pretty popular thing to, like, humanize monarchs in fiction. This is, like, a pretty popular way to do it. Yeah, so it's, like, each person comes up and is, like, I have a something, like, a watermelon for you or whatever. And then they will say, like, hey, I have this problem. And the monarch will be, like, oh, yeah, we can fix that for you. But the, the stuff that they picked for this one was very weird. It was, like... Someone will review your scholarship application, and I'm like, why would a some why would a why would a queen be responsible for a scholarship application? I don't know. Is and then, Brooklyn okay? Brooklyn doing okay? Oh man, <laughs> I was trying to power through it, and it's I'm so tired of these. Uh, it's not even. It's not, it's like I don't know where they're getting them. Is it Genovian Independence Day? Did I not know? <laughs> so anyway. The strategic firework stash of the chaotic neutral youths of Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's a guy who shows up and he is like, oh, I, I brought a chicken for you. And it's a live chicken and Mia like unleashes it on the you know and she starts to run after it and then the queen is like a princess or queen never runs after the chicken or whatever like i thought you know that was kind of cute and then mia has to this was really weird mia had to like review the royal guard it was just it's just her doing a bunch of ceremonial stuff and she this was like such a weird setup to get to what we actually got she doesn't want to ride side saddle, and Julie Andrews is like, oh, I never do. Here's a wooden leg that I've been using, and every woman's been using. It's just a wooden leg. I thought that was kind of interesting, actually. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a, that's clever. 
they're all like lined up to watch her and Mabry spooks her horse with a fake snake and the horse jostles her enough that the wooden leg falls and the paparazzi's there and she just sort of rides off because she's so embarrassed. And this was another, this was the first situation where Nicholas meets Andrew, who's the fiance, and Lily, who's the best friend. And Lily literally is like, I'm her best friend and I don't like you. (laughs) Yeah. And so Nicholas follows her and he finds her crying and he kind of negs her in this moment too. And is like, oh, if you had another leg, like you could outrun your horse. And she's just like, will you (laughs) shut up, please? Like, I'm so mortified and... This really wasn't cool and, you know, just leave me alone. And he tries to kind of talk to her and she's like, I don't want to talk to you. And Joe comes in to fetch her and says to Nicholas, am I going to be disappointed in you? Which In, I thought in the was... Hector Elizondo voice, which, I mean, it would make me pee my pants yeah. if he said that to me. <laughs> it would certainly make me feel deeply ashamed of myself. <laughs> and... Then he kind of tells off Mabry, and Mabry tries to, like, get in Joe's face, and Joe is like, if you hurt my girl, I will come after you, basically. Although Mabry at this point makes it clear that he knows that he and the queen are hooking up. Yeah. So it's an open secret, mm-hmm. in any case. Well, and you wonder, too, if Mabry would, like, use that as... as Perhaps. Like... And Julie Andrews... This was a kind of a fun scene. Like, Julie Andrews and Nicholas, question mark, are sharing a dessert. <laughs> like... They're just like weird. They're just like making they're they're just like eating like chocolate souffle together. I think he made um, it, right? I don't I don't think we saw I that. I think he No, I think I think he's got like an apron on and he's got like pots and pans and whatnot. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this was this movie was full of stuff where I was like, "Why?" and then I was like, "It's not even worth it." So <laughs> So she and Nicholas are sharing a dessert and she's like, look, why do you not want me to take over? And he's like, look, I was born here. I grew up here. I understand. That's why I have this Sacramento accent. Yeah. (laughs) Or you made the point that he's, he puts on a little bit of an air. So he sounds like he graduated from Exeter. Yes. You know, Um, (laughs) but not, you know, Oxford. No, certainly not. And to be honest, do I want Chris Pine attempting an accent i don't know i don't know could this movie have afforded decent dialect coaches i don't know that's i don't know you know he says i was born here i grew up here i understand genovians like i i know the people and mia doesn't really know the people so then which is not an unfair point no it's not and it's also less of a sexist point right it's not about oh she's a woman i don't think women can govern it's like or she's unmarried right or she's unmarried she's not married it's more just like look does she really understand this country the way that somebody who was born here and grew up here and also was sort sort of like in a, a family of nobility would understand you know that's to set up the fact that like maybe she's not fit then we see her at a garden party and she's mingling with people and she like remembers little details about people. That's a very like Hillary Clinton thing of like, <laughs> you know, she'll write down a th- one thing about you. So when she sees you again and she and Andrew are there together and, oh, this was another like bit player moment that I loved where one of the waiters pops a bonbon into his mouth when no one's looking. Yes. But anyway, so um, they run into Nicholas and he's with a woman named Lady Alyssa and Andrew and Alyssa, basically Mia and, and Nicholas are like having a pissing contest. A pissing contest about whose date is more impressive, which yeah. is so weird. 
And so Lady Alyssa says to Andrew, do you want to go, like, get a drink? And I was like, oh, those two are going to end up together. And they do. Um, <laughs> do they? Yeah. They're... I did not clock that at all. They are standing together and, like, looking cutesily at each other at the coronation. Okay, so... Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I spoils. spoils no, no, these. but it's like... Oh, it, it's You don't... They're not, like, kissing or holding hands, right? They're just... Yeah, so I guess that's true. It's the it's the PG version of getting together. It's like it's like uh You can kiss in PG for God's sake. It's it's the way that you believe that Aomer and Faramir like might get together at the end of Return <laughs> of the King because they they're I was the, trying to think of a good example. You nailed it. They they they're at the coronation. They're literally at another coronation together like look at, kind of looking at each other smiling while they clap. <laughs> and you're like but it's the same thing of like oh you're the disappointed love interest like we'll we'll throw you a bone at the end right so anyway this is sort of this was i think maybe the first clip i sent you i was like oh there's a <laughs> yeah. fight at a fountain and they fall in so mia and nicholas kind of like walk away from the group and so they're continuing to fight and the fighting kind of like turns into kissing like he kisses kind her of. He, he he plants one on her. They get real close together and they're like, I hate you. I hate you. And then it's like. Does her foot pop that first kiss? Yes. And that's, so that's the big thing from the first movie. The that's, foot pop that's kiss. The only, that's the other thing I remember. So I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, there's a reason that she's reacting this way to her foot going up. It's because that was the sort of like, that's how you know it's real or whatever. Right? Right. 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 So... That's obviously to be like, oh, I, there seems to be something here with this guy who I am supposed to hate, and also I'm engaged to somebody else. And so she freaks out, and, you know, they sort of circle each other for a while, and then she's very clumsy, and so they both fall into the fountain together. And, you know, Mia comes up to Clarice, like, to go back inside and, like, get changed. And Clarice is like, do I want to know? And she's like, no, you don't. And nope. then... Of course, nope. Nicholas also shows up wet, and this is a whole thing, and Clarice basically says, like, what you are saying, Marissa, which is just, like, you can't, like, come on, like, don't you understand? Yeah. You have responsibilities, and there's a way that people look at you, and she literally is like, you are held to a higher standard now. You are about to be the queen, or we're trying to convince everybody that you're, that you're, mature enough to be the queen and this is you can't go around acting like this you can't be seen with a man who is not your fiance like that's just not cool i mean maybe you can have a chat with him in the garden you can't fall into a fountain with him well that's what she says you can't be seen dripping wet with a man who's not your fiance which i definitely listening to that was like hey wait (laughs) so (laughs) this is a this is a movie for children. <laughs> I don't think she meant it like that, but... I know, but... To your state yeah. of mind. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Mia gets, like, really upset with her grandmother, and she's like, I know, okay? Ugh. Like, it's just like... <laughs> the stakes of this are exactly like any other 21-year-old girl's stakes or and, whatever. And look, again, I mean, this is a situation where I would say, like, this is a private conversation, but... She's not even able to, like, articulate, right, like, to her grandma. She doesn't try to say, look, this is harder than I thought, or, like, I'm kind of coming around to this guy, and I don't know what to do. There's sort of no, um, no external monologue 
Mm, yes. About the fact that, like, she's... She likes him, right? She She's... Or she she doesn't like him, but she's drawn to him, and she's finds him attractive, but she's feels conflicted, and you know what you know you know isn't the whole point of the first movie that like her dad married for love, and that was yes. the reason. So like, I think there probably could have been something in this movie about like you know dad married for love, and you know that worked out in some ways, but it didn't work out in other ways, and. And you didn't marry for love and you've been able to rule. And it's this sort of like personal over country kind of thing, right? Like, but, right. but she just storms out. She just like literally like flips over, you know, flips herself over the couch and is just like, good night. And like leaves, right? So there's no moment where we really see her like interrogating the fact that like she's sort of put herself in this bind and the next day is the Genovia Independence Day Parade, which I'm pretty sure was filmed on, like, a studio back lot. Mm. Um, and Mia is with her grandmother and with Joe and Mabry. This is where Mabry basically becomes Fox News. <laughs> uh, again, sorry to, like, bring in politics, but Mia has them stop the parade because she sees an orphan... Like, this is so, this is just, like, so on the nose. She sees an orphan being, like, bullied by Orphanages aren't even a thing anymore. (laughs) They're bad for children. Yeah, they're not great. The developed world stopped using orphanages because they are bad for children. But she sees a little orphan girl getting bullied by bigger orphan boys. And she stops the parade and she goes and she talks to a little girl who's Abigail Breslin, little baby Abigail Breslin. Oh, yeah. I was like, is that is that little Miss Sunshine? It and, was. And she attempts an accent and she actually does okay. Her brother's in this movie, too. He's the obnoxious little 12-year-old prince. Oh, I didn't know that. So she talks to the little girl and basically, like, gives all the little kids, all the little orphans, like, you know, cr- plastic crowns or whatever. And they all march together in the parade and the little girl it's like the best day of her life and you know chris pine this was supposed to be like this the in screenwriting they call it like save the cat you know like Mm. that's how you know that your protagonist is like a good person that they they quote unquote save a cat and so that's sort of her save the cat moment right of like well you know we always knew that she's the good person but this was like the move of altruism that is supposed to make people believe that she truly does, you know, she truly is capable of being like a compassionate leader. And so this kind of- Just the most like low bar, like orphanage. Right. Help children at orphanage. Well, that's what I mean. So Nicholas seems like, oh, he's he's like, oh, that's really, he seems kind of charmed by it. And Mabry is like, oh, this is what a political- trick this is like what a hack and and obama wore a tan suit that disrespects the troops yes that's exactly what i'm talking about this like (laughs) and like obama cried over like a school shooting or something tamir rice maybe maybe trayvon uh, martin maybe yeah maybe but i something like that it was it was some he cried about something that deserves tears a terrible tragedy that happened in america and people on fox were like Ugh, like crocodile tears. This is so disingenuous. He's just trying to win points. And everyone's like, oh my God, what? So that's what Mayberry was in this moment. 
And then we're back at the at the castle, and uh, I thought this was very reminiscent of Kevin Klein and Dave when he such a great movie. Oh, it's just amazing movie where he like messes with the federal budget so they can afford to keep a a homeless shelter open. We should do that movie at some point. Oh, I I was just thinking. I was like, after Chris Pine month, maybe we do. I don't know. Uh, governments we wish we had month. I don't know. <laughs> and she says like we're gonna put the kids because basically the guy who runs the orphanage is like we don't have enough space and we're really trying but you know i guess there's a lot of orphans in genovia i don't know and she's like oh we're gonna put them in one of our converted we're gonna convert one of our castles into like the place where they can stay temporarily until we get the funds to fix up where they're living now and the guys in parliament kind of put up a fight and she's like nope like this is what we're doing and then after that meeting, Lily is with her and they run into Nicholas and Nicholas and Mia are like, oh, h- uh, hello. They have like a very charged moment. And Leah or uh, Lily just goes, my hello is insignificant. And then she turns to the the maids and she says, Rosencrantz, Guildenstern, follow me. And I was like, all right, I, I'm, I'm into you. <laughs> yes. And he's like, that was very, uh, I, was very impressive, like what you did at the parade. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. And they're sort of... And he's wearing, like, serious person glasses for this one scene. Mm. Did you notice this? And maybe that is, like, his turn into being a little bit more serious of a person that he's finally wearing glasses. Okay. Now we get a scene that I think could have been cut. <laughs> Her bridal shower? I don't... I don't know what this was. <laughs> Honestly, I guess it was like the attempt to like pander to the audience they thought they were going to get with this movie. Yeah, she invites princesses from around the world, but like not even princesses of her age bracket. Yeah, that's why it was almost creepy. Like baby, like little toddlers and also grown women. And they have a bridal shower that's, you know, basically... It's a summer party. Yeah, it's a slumber party. There's a bunch of candy. I mean, I th- I think you're right, Marissa. I think that this is probably like I wouldn't have been surprised if at the time one of their like promotional tie-ins was like have a slumber party with the princesses. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, or if they thought maybe they would be able to like parlay it into like a Disney World experience yeah, or something. Maybe like something like that where you can go to Cinderella's castle and maybe you can meet. You know, maybe there's a Genovia little outpost somewhere and you can meet. Yeah. Then Clarice like comes in in her PJs from walking the dog. And I was like, you're a, you don't walk your own dog. You're a queen. <laughs> and Clarice is like, they're mattress surfing. They're like, there's like a big slide down the middle of the stairwell. And they're just surfing on mattresses on it. And Clarice is like, oh, th- you know, Rupert, who's her husband, like her her late husband, like Rupert and the boys used to do that all the time. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and so she mattress serves too. And then there's a talent show. And Julie Andrews graces us all with her singing voice. And then it gets turned into a duet with Raven Simone, which I think is probably the highlight of Raven Simone's life, if I had to imagine. So it was Julie Andrews's idea... What? So there's a blowing my mind right now. (laughs) There's a Wikipedia article about this one song. I'm into it. And 
It was written for, so, uh, like, Julie Andrews obviously was an enormously important singer of the mid-century era, and then she had botched throat surgery that ruined her singing voice for the rest of her life, and it is extremely... Yeah, she went into a depression over it. Yes, it's extremely traumatic for her. So, I, I guess she... I'm not sure if she had another surgery or if she just kind of can sing a little bit, but... So, in the article I read about what happened with her voice... It ruined her range. They said it ruined her four octave. She had a four octave range. Mm. So it ruined her range. So I don't know if that means it totally ruined her voice or if... Because she kind of stays in one... Yeah, so they wrote this song for her in this movie and it is in a... It's a five note range, the song. The entire song is within a five note range, which is extremely narrow for those of you who don't know anything about music. But then it says Andrews added the idea of a back and forth banter between her character and Ravens. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And Raven Simone, to her credit, called the experience of singing with her the experience of a lifetime. I knew it. (laughs) I mean, it, it, it would be. It truly would be. Man. Then we get, we cut to Nicholas and Mabry talking and Nicholas is like, look, you know, Mia might actually be a good leader. And Mabry's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I'm evil. Right. And he's like, look, you know, she's willing to marry some guy she barely even knows in order to take over the crown. Like that shows some dedication and maybe we should just like give up. And that way, like Genovia gets a good leader and she gets to be happy. And Mabry's like, ah, you've fallen for her. And Nicholas is like, no, well, yes, but she doesn't think of me that way. And, you know, the housekeeper is eavesdropping and Nicholas is like, all I'm asking is that we just stop the sabotage. And Mabry's like, oh, yeah, totally. And then <laughs> he leaves, Nicholas leaves to go tell Mia that he's like giving up on the the chasing the crown. And again, Mabry like immediately, immediately gets on the phone and is like, yes, hello, is this the people who can ruin everybody's lives? Cool. I I would <laughs> like you to do that, please. And <laughs> do you think this guy read the script and was like, I was in Raiders of the Lost Ark? No, I don't. I think ah! he was like, th- I think he was like, thank you for the work. I will you now be, uh, you know, finishing payments on my second house <laughs> and have a good day. And do you think he's in the Michael Caine school of acting? Exactly. All right. I'm, I think you're going to want to talk about this scene. So I'm going to leave this open <laughs> to you. But Nicholas finds Mia practicing her archery. Do you want to talk about this scene? Do you just just wanna... give us the outline? Okay, so Mia he gets a moment alone with her where basically Mia sees him coming and asks Lily to escort Andrew somewhere else so they can have a moment alone, real subtle. He helps her learn how to do archery. He tells her he's leaving. They shake hands, and then he says, can I see you one time before I go? And she says, I'm watched like a hawk. And he says, I'll find a way. (laughs) Take it away, Marissa. (laughs) I, you know, I... I mean, I was, I basically was a, a liquid at this point, oh, right? Yeah. Like I could have, I was taking the shape of my container. I, I, there's just, there's nothing, nothing sexier, nothing sexier on this earth. And when like the whole teaching archery scene, I was just like, yes, please teach me. I am bad at archery as well. <laughs> I might shoot people. That was another thing where I was, Mia was just constantly almost killing people with her archery. Like girl, yeah. get it together. Yeah. 
So they get interrupted by Frosted Tips, and he's like, you know, just... Which, which, and this is also, we, when I say Lily does a 180, what I mean is we never see a scene between Lily and Mia where Mia says, I don't know, I think I'm really starting to like him. I think Lily has a pair of eyes. Yeah, I do too. But she very quickly turns around. So the next scene... Or in, like, two scenes, Nicholas is going to come to Mia's window, and, and Lily is like... Lily aids and abets this. Lily, But Lily straight up is like, listen, you're getting married soon. Like, what else do you want to do than, like, go out with the guy you actually like, or whatever? And I was like, what? It's like, okay. <laughs> but before that, Joe and Clarice have, like, a little dance, and... Which is so sweet. It's very, very, very sweet. And she starts to hedge about, you know, like, make not opening up their relationship, but making their relationship known <laughs> to the rest of Genovia. And he kind of breaks it off with her. He's like, I'm going to retire and, uh, you know, like, best of luck with everything, basically. And he pieces out. And she's really heartbroken about this. And I was on his side, though, you know? Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, you don't... I think you could... He's been very, very patient. I think that was right. his whole thing, right? That as as when she is the queen, it makes sense to kind of keep things on the QT. But when you're no longer the queen, don't you kind of get to do what you want, right? She'd be the dowager queen at that point, I think. Yes. And so then uh, Nicholas comes to Mia's window and he's like, get down here. And she's like, oh my God. And Lily's like, just go hang out with him because you really like him. And her ladies in waiting. So she is. This was the most annoying thing for me with these ladies in waiting. I, so stupid. I agree, but they were covering for her, right? Like, I mean, they could have found a less annoying way to do it, but Mia like falls out the window, basically, <laughs> like almost crashes into the window, and the ladies in waiting kind of like do this song and dance so that the queen doesn't notice. And Nicholas and Mia, I, again, I'm going to set this up and you're going to talk about it. Nicholas <laughs> and Mia sneak off to a secluded lake. They tell each other secrets. They slow dance. They fall asleep together under a tree. And they wake up in the morning. Mia notices a man with a video camera. And she assumes it's a setup. And she is horrified and she runs away from Nicholas. So you can pick anything I, you know, I, in there to I talk wanted- about. So two things, both kind of negative, I'm, I'm afraid to say. I mean, as much as I would love to wake up next to Chris Pine, don't get me wrong. But first of all, the soundtrack for this movie is terrible. <laughs> like, it's notably terrible in many places. Like, and, and I don't necessarily even notice the soundtrack of a movie that much unless it's really either really good or really bad. Um, so obviously Into the Spider-Verse, right, is one where it's like, oh, this soundtrack is amazing. And you notice how amazing it is. This one, I was like, this is awful. <laughs> This is terrible. It like was, there's yeah, so it's so intrusive. That's it's like exactly to, the word I was thinking of. It's yeah, intrusive. it's like they're trying to sell the soundtrack really hard by like making the music in the foreground. So like we get like a few snippets of dialogue between the two of them, and then it just is a caterwauling Nora Jones song on top of the two of them. You know, I want to hear them like have a real conversation. Come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, like, I want it. Also, there was no kissing. Very, very, <laughs> very disappointing. Yeah, like this just didn't like it didn't quite meet my bar of like oh this is like a romantic like one night you know obviously PG right but still like one night to steal away from the world 
have them at least kiss and also have them like tell each other real things for more than like two lines of dialogue. Right. I mean, and I, and I think that's also, again, I, I keep finding these moments as I look back on it where like, this is a chance for, I mean, you made this point when we were texting about it, but like, this is a chance for them to develop their relationship. And it's also a chance for Mia to like really talk about, her, her feelings. Her feelings. Like, her feelings, not only about him, you know, maybe she could admit that she really likes Andrew as a person, but she's not into him. Or maybe she could talk about, you know, he could say something like, you know, at first I didn't think you were up to the job because, you know, you didn't grow up here, but it seems like you're really, you're really rising to the occasion. And she can talk about, like, how much this means to her, right? Like, it's... You you just miss out on these opportunities to have a little bit more character growth. And instead, like Marissa said, we're sort of treated to this sort of hazy montage of the two of yes. them, like slow dancing and stuff. And and that's cute, but it we're going to, I mean, it's not a spoiler, I don't think. But, you know, they, at the end, he says he's in love with her. Like, you want there to be a little bit more depth there or at least i think you and i did want there to be a little bit more depth there so that we understand why he's in love with her right and it's not as if you know we get we see him watching her being princessy on tv and that it's maybe sort of a one-sided thing that it's like there's nothing right and also like you know he he's known to be kind of a ladies man right like she could say something like is this what you do with all the girls, right? Like, right. do you steal them away? And he could say, that's just a persona I have. Like, that's... Mm. Or, you know, you know, I have dated a lot of women, but, like, none as cool as you, right? Or something, right? Like, the fact that he is a ladies' man kind of doesn't really come up. Anyway, so yeah, I think I think you're right. They're, they could have done a lot more character development in this, but what it ends up being is just, you know, a snippet. And I wonder how much of that is like for the tween demographic watching this to be like, that could be me, right? Like you put yourself in that Sure, but why is that preclude, why does that preclude like a real romantic connection? I don't think it, well, I don't know that it does, but maybe it's like, well, what would I talk to Chris Pine about? Which, you know, should be a discussion question of ours. Look, the the most popular tween thing of probably the last 20 years was Twilight, right? And a lot of their conversation is exceedingly stupid things about sucking the blood from panthers. You know, like, you and and the tweens lost their minds over it. The tweens. (laughs) The tweens. Like, the tweens will take romance if you give it to them, even if it's real dumb. <laughs> yeah, as will I. Yeah, yeah, me too. So they wake up and there's like a paparazzi dude on a in a boat and she thinks... A paparazzo, if you will. That's right. And she thinks that this was a setup and she like rides away from him and she gets back to the palace. I mean, and this is, is truly where, again, I think there really is like... A moment of reckoning and there really isn't one so Mm. much she comes in and julie andrews is like it's actually kind of heartbreaking like julie andrews is is coming into her room to kind of apologize to her for how tense everything's been and it turns out lily's in her bed because she covered for her and and mia comes in and 
And uh, it's already on the news, and Mia is horrified, and Julie Andrews is basically like, do we still have a wedding? Because mm. she's supposed to get married really soon. And Andrew and Mia have this conversation where Andrew's like, look, you know, you chose me. I don't want to back out. Like, yeah, he says he's not gonna he's not gonna walk out on her, which I really appreciated. Yeah, I mean, and they they share a kiss, and they both agree like there's not a spark here, but like I like you, I think right. you're like a good person. Like um, we could make this work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. in like an arranged royal marriage, we could make this work. Yeah, like it wouldn't be, I wouldn't hate spending time with you, and so they decide to go ahead with the wedding which i was kind of shocked about but they just they went ahead with the wedding or they decided to go ahead and it's the morning of the wedding and her mom shows up with the new baby which like there that there there were so many shots where there was a quote unquote new baby and i was like that's a bundle of fabric <laughs> yeah <laughs> just holding this thing it's like obviously weightless like and then they do the close in shot it's a baby and then they pan back out and it's back to being a bundle of fabric yeah you know, the mom doesn't really have much to do in this movie. No, it's like such a like, oh, let's just reunite the cast of the first movie, I guess. Then uh, the dad from 10 Things I Hate About You is her wedding stylist. <laughs> so same as from the first movie. Yeah. And Oh, I didn't remember that. And yeah. um, he, in fact, sells her out to the press. So it's fairly amazing that he's allowed back in. Oh, I didn't. I don't I don't remember any of this. And he gives her the most like Spice Girls hairstyles I've ever seen. This is such, can I just say, as someone who, you know, did have a wedding, and I didn't have somebody do my hair, but I had somebody do my makeup, like, you do a trial run before the day, yeah. and you pick everything you're going to do, and then on the day, there's not any questions about what you're going to do. Yeah. I remember getting my makeup done for your wedding, and mom saw me afterwards and was like, see? Doesn't, <laughs> you could do this all, but it doesn't take that much. I was like, Mom, that took 45 minutes and cost about $200. So uh, what are you talking about? Anyway, Mom's real, you know, at least before quarantine, Mom was sort of distraught that Marissa and I don't really wear makeup. She put on her face every day to go to work for, yes. you know, 40 years or whatever. Yes. And then both of us are like, yo, what's up? <laughs> we don't comb our hair and we wear <laughs> jeans every day to work. And mom's just like, "Who? how, what? <laughs> I do comb my hair. We, yes. I was I was being a little hyperbolic. I do, I do comb my hair, but I for sure do not wear makeup and I for sure wear jeans. Yeah. Just a little sparkle around your face. You know, back when I used to go to work, I should say. Yeah, well, yeah. Nicholas doesn't want to go to the wedding and Mabry leaves by himself because he's like, this is a train wreck. I'm not going to miss it. And so the servant comes in and basically says like, look, your uncle was behind the sting at the lake and like he set you up. And Nicholas is like, I got to get to that church. And she's like, well, everything with four wheels is already rented. And I thought for sure, I was like, well, they went. They have a horse. They have a horse. He, yes. he took horses for them to go to the thing. Oh, no, 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 no. No. He's... Sweet summer child. He's <laughs> he he's like running out the door and she's like, oh, you should take the bike. And he's like, what bike? And then we smash cut to him <laughs> on a penny farthing. A penny farthing. A legit penny. I mean, I yelled at the screen, a penny farthing? And then I texted you, a penny farthing? And then I was like, it's so nice to watch you have the exact same reactions that I had, just delayed by a couple days. For those of you who don't know the name of it, a penny farthing is one of those old-timey bicycles where the 
front wheel is enormous and the little the back wheel is super tiny. It's called a penny farthing because like a and I don't know which is which, but back in like British like the pre-decimalized British currency, there was a penny and there was a farthing and one of them was big and one of them was little. So it's like that was the you know, it'd be like if we called that bike like a quarter dime. A quarter dime? Anyway, so <laughs> Then he comes across, he like trades that in for, what does he trade it in for? A, a horse, horse, right? Something. And then he gets to the, he gets to the church. <laughs> so Sorry. tired. Sorry. Okay. He gets to the church. We'll run out of steam. He, yeah. get, he gets to church. There's a Stan Lee cameo in this movie. Can anybody yeah, explain know, that to me? No idea. Okay. What the heck? This was before Iron Man. So why? I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. But, like, does this mean this movie is a part of the cinema? MCU. MCU. (laughs) So Wakanda and Genovia, in fact, do exist. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Same universe. you imagine? So at the church... Look, the movie would have been way better with Shuri in it, I'm just saying. Yeah, I agree. Oh, my God. Could you imagine um, Clarice and the Queen Mother from... from, (gasps) Who was that? Angela Bassett? Angela Bassett. Yes. Just hanging out. I'm into that. Joe and Mia share a moment. Which I actually thought was, like, kind of nice. Yeah. Where she's like, Joe, I'm really sorry you're retiring. And he's like, who told you that? And she's like, the maids know everything. And, you know, they kind of have this conversation about, like, the heart. Sometimes, like, you can't explain what your heart wants, but it still wants it. And it's hard. And (laughs) Joe says, Nicholas didn't set you up. And she's like, how do you know? And he said, the maids know everything. Would have been nice to have a little more. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i agree i agree and she's walking down the aisle and she gets cold feet and she runs out and julie andrews runs out behind her and this i loved her her like assistant is like do we run after her and she's like queens do not run we hasten yeah i liked that too (laughs) and so she hastens after her and Mia's like, okay, I get it, I get it, I'll go back inside, right? Because she's so used to Julie Andrews coming after her and being like, oh my god, you, what are you doing? This, you're, yeah. a, you're a disappointment. And Mia's like, just give me a couple minutes and then I can go back inside, I'm fine. And Julie Andrews is like, look, you know, I put my, the love of my country ahead of my own happiness for like my whole life. And I've lost the only man I've ever truly loved because of it. Aww. And Hector Elizondo is standing like five feet away and he hears this. <laughs> And she's like, you know, if you don't want to do this, then, like, you can make a different decision. She's like, I don't want you to make my mistakes. You can make your own mistakes. Mm. I don't want you to make mine. And she goes back inside, and she kind of, like, hastens up the aisle. (laughs) And she gives Andrew his ring back. And Andrew's like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Andrew's like, thank you for making it possible for me not to have to do the proper thing all the time. Right. Which I thought was a nice button on his character. You know, maybe they'll be buds. Who knows? And she then gets up and she gives this big speech about how much she loves Genovia and this law is super sexist. I got here three weeks ago and I love this place. Well, (laughs) here's my other thing. This is a genuine query that I have. Why not spend the month figuring out how to repeal this sexist law? Why must we go through this charade? <laughs> Why not just... Oh, Julie Andrews is like, I'm the queen. Like, let me just change it. I mean, there's a parliament. Like, right, she, but the, the prime minister is the one who says, 
if you make a motion, I'll second it, right? Right. The Prime Minister has always been on Julie Andrews' side. So he could have done... We wouldn't have a movie, but he could have done some moving and shaking (laughs) for them. It doesn't matter. So she gives this big speech and says, like, you know, I love Genovia, and this law is really sexist, and my grandma ruled as queen for years without a king at her side. And I think she rocks at it. And I want to be a great queen too. And most of the women in the audience are like, hooray. And Mabry gets up and is like, this is tan suit, tan suit. Yeah. <laughs> Disrespecting the troops. And oh, there's another heir. There's another heir. And then Chris Pine shows up. And he says, I refuse the, the, to be king. I refuse the throne. I decline. And besi- uh, besides, just think how lovely she'll look on a postage stamp. And Mabry, like, freaks out. And Nicholas leaves the church. And Nicola- and Mabry follows him out and is, like, berating him. And Nicholas is just like, yeah, leave me alone. Miss me with that. Like, leave me alone. And Mia makes a motion. The, the, the... Uh, Prime Minister is just like, make a motion! And Mia's like, hey, so can we abolish this marriage law? And all of Parliament, except for Mabry, agrees. And this I really liked, this, like, last piece, where Mia says to her grandmother, like, just because I'm not getting my fairy tale ending doesn't mean that you can't. And Clarice turns to Joe and is like, will you marry me? And they get married instead. And it's really funny. It's so sweet. It's super sweet. And it's really funny because she's like, well, we didn't plan it this way, but you're all already here. So whatevs. I mean, Hector Elizondo's family is not there, but sure. That's very true. And also all of Andrew's family is there. And they're like, uh, you know, I would imagine. And then they say, with this ring, I thee finally wed, which is very sweet. And then Mia later, Mia successfully shoots her coronation arrow. Which is the thing that hot Chris Pine told her to hotly do, like showed her how to do very hotly. And so she's, so she's done it, but she, you can tell she's like kind of bummed. And next week, the next week, Mia is getting ready for her coronation and she's in the throne room, like in her PJs or whatever, in like a robe. And Chris Pine rolls up. Would you like to say anything about how he's looking in this scene? It's more pinstripes, right? Yeah, but they're like blue. So they set off his eyes. It's, it's lovely. Yeah. The pinstripe. Whoever, look, whoever was wardrobe on this set, A plus, rightfully knew how to, you know, knew how a pinstripe brought out just the absolute hotness. I mean, I think I, there's a ton to criticize about this movie, but I think wardrobe was super on point throughout. No, I loved her wedding dress and I loved her coronation dress. Totally. This was cute. He rolls up into the throne room and she says, what is your dilemma, young man? Because she's like sitting on the throne like she's receiving you know, someone in her court. And he says, you are. Um, He says, I'm in love with the queen to be, and I'm inquiring if she loves me too. And she says, do you have a chicken for my table? (laughs) Which (laughs) was pretty cute. I thought that was very cute. Uh, And then they kiss. It's very cute. They kiss a lot. (laughs) Um, And then uh, later at the coronation, this is where we see uh, Andrew with Lady Alyssa. Lily is there, and she has this, like, throwaway flirtation with some with the the captain of the Genovian Royal Guard who sounds like he's from Kansas City, Missouri, he if does. I had to place he, his accent. He does. And Mia comes out in a beautiful gown and please someone one day I can only hope will look at me the way Chris <laughs> Pine looks at Mia in that dress. 
And she becomes the queen. She gets coronated. And then in the epilogue, you know, I thought we were going to see more of their relationship, but we get ladies. Yeah, I did too. I sat through, sat through those credits. I was like, it's going to be, it's going to be a mid credits. could be a post credits. It's going to be, there's going to be more Chris Pine. And I waited in vain. Instead, we get, there's more ladies joining parliament. The orphanage gets fixed up and there's more mattress surfing. And that's how they choose to end this movie is mattress surfing. And that's the movie. And that's the movie. I've talked for a long time. I'm going to let you talk. So the question, the biggest question on the table seems to be, what are Genovians? (laughs) (laughs) They don't seem to uh, speak one particular language with any sort of uh, consistency. Nope. There is some German. Uh, we get Russians in that first movie as being some sort of relation to the country. Lots of Italian, Spanish, French. Obviously, the queen speaks English. She also speaks French. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you, I mean, you just sort of have to... I mean, they. I think they actually do say in the f- first movie maybe, like, where exactly it is. I don't like, bet- Between France and Spain or something. But, like... There doesn't doesn't seem to be, like, a heritage language in this country. Yeah, I mean, they don't do a ton of, like, you know... World building? That's exactly what I was going to say. There's really no world building. Like, you look at a movie like Black Panther, and, like, Wakanda is such a completely realized country. Fully, fully realized country where they have a language and they have this monarchy and this structure and they have you can tell all the different cultures just by you know like um the uh, jabari tribe versus yeah, the, the jabari yeah. tribe and then you have um even the like sort of local nobility with like um nakia's family you know she comes from another noble family and they all have sort of like you know, it's just, and, and you can tell their economy and you know what they value and all these different things. I mean, and, and obviously, like, that is a completely different, that's a completely different level, much different budget, um, much different sort of lore to go off of. But they really didn't put, I don't think, like, any effort into... Not a smidgen. Yeah, like, even their last names, right? Like, so the last name of the queen is Rinaldi. Right, and that's vaguely Italian. And meanwhile, in the same line, now th- this is this might be pretty common, actually. Now that I'm saying it, that you have people who come from other countries, like Catherine of Aragon was from Spain, and she married. Yeah, but forget the royalty. Like the captain of the guard, like his last name was something like completely like, oh, that's I could pinpoint it to a country, and it wasn't anywhere near France or Spain. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. was like. I don't know if it was, like, O'Shaughnessy or if it was, like, <laughs> Walsh or Potemsky or something. But it was just something like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so, and, like, Nick's last name is Devereux, which is definitely French. And, you know, you have, like, in the the scene where she's sort of in the receiving line with all the people who are coming to, like, air their grievances and bring them food. Like, they're... You can't even, you don't even get a sense of, like, what the crops are that they have, because, like, one... Pears. So, pears pears is a big deal, and when one lady who sounds super French brings them a watermelon. Yeah, do watermelons even grow in Europe? Wow, I'm just really revealing some ignorance here. (laughs) But that was my question, was, like, is that even the right climate for that? Like, 
Watermelons need a ton of sun. Even when you're growing them in the American South, if you're just growing them like as like a hobbyist, like you are still supposed to put like white sand around it so that the sun reflects off the sand Is back that onto true? the melon. Yes. Wow. Like, I mean, I don't know what like professional professional <laughs> farmers. You know? I don't know what like like what real agricultural agribusiness or whatever looks like around watermelons. But if you were to, if I were to go outside and want to grow a watermelon, I would surround it in white sand so that it would get more sun. And it huh. just seems like. I mean, maybe Italy, right? But we don't get, the, I don't get the sense this is, it. like, Paolo is Italian, like, and he is different from the rest. Who's like, what Paolo? Are, he's the, he's the stylist. Oh, yes. So he comes in all speaking Italian and he's Paolo, right? And that's like an Italian name. It's like he, but he's, he's Italian. He's different from us. Okay, cool. What are you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, like, in the Genovian Independence Parade, like, it's mostly white people. You do see some people of other races. But, again, there's no, like, in the Independence Parade, there's no real, um... Independence from what, by the way? Were they colonized by France? Like, what? It's a good question. What? <laughs> Great question that I also, never Also, why is there a national ask? anthem in English? It is at the end. They like sing a song about Genovia. Like, Genovia, Genovia. There's a great co- like. I I'm not aware of English being the official language of any European country aside from England, and I suppose Ireland probably has it as like one of their languages. And Ireland has Irish and English as their official name, but okay. I can guarantee you that their whatever their national anthem is is at least not in English. <laughs> it's at least bilingual. Right, the way the Canadian one is. Um, yeah. Yeah, it just sort of seems to me... It's so lazy. It is so yeah. lazy. They got away with it the whole first movie by never having the setting be in Genovia. Or yes. Genovia, if you will. Yes. And then this second movie, where I am going to... It's five years later. I'm going to assume that they had a decent budget... And they had complete freedom because instead of being based on a book the way the first one is, the second one is completely, you know, writ from scratch by Shonda Rhimes. Shonda! They could have made decisions about, like, what is this place? What are the people? What language do they speak? Whatever. And instead they just punted and were like, we don't care. We do not care. Right. I mean, and... And they don't, and they don't do the symbol... Like, I would love to know... I would love for Raven Simone to say what she is a princess of. Yeah. I mean, especially because the whole... You know, I mean, the whole crux of the movie is just, I like this boy. But the... <laughs> but the <laughs> Who among us doesn't? I mean, yes. But the, the frame around I like this boy is, you know, well... She's not really fit to be queen because she doesn't know Genovians. She's not a true Genovian. She doesn't know the people. She doesn't know our customs. Well, show us what <laughs> any of that stuff is and and show her... And not goofy stuff like playing with a fan for crying out loud. Yeah. Like, show us, do you have, like, a national dish? Do you have... It's the pear thing. You know, at the garden party, they listened to a woman singing opera, presumably in Italian. It's in Italian, yeah. And, you know, she... That woman, like, won a Genovian song contest or something like that? Or, like, a talent contest? I don't remember. But she's obviously not Genovian, is the thing. Right. And so, 
But like, do is that their? Did she win their version of like the Eurovision Song Contest? Genovia's got talent. Yeah, like, did she like? But but is there a national dish? Is there a national dance? Like that could have been fun. She's so clumsy. Like she's got to learn this national dance. There are so many. Like, I, I, if you ask. <sighs> Like, what is France? Like, well, you could kind of show somebody around Paris and show someone around, you know, the the southern sort of part of France or whatever. And you get, like, yeah. And you kind of get an idea. Like, but I don't know. I get it was a budget thing or whatever. Because, like, you just get, you get no feel for, you know, what sort of, what kind of, you know, old world are we talking about, right? Like, Europe is a very varied place. Yes. France is very different from Germany, is very different from Italy, is very different from Sweden. Yeah, for right? sure. Like, what are we working with here? <laughs> Give us something, for the love of God. Yeah, I mean, and I think it doesn't, you know, the movie is not helped by the fact that you just said old world and this sort of brought this to mind for me, which is like, this movie was filmed in California. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I'm not saying, like, fly everybody to you know, England or Scotland or wherever. But I think you could, one of the things that was tough for me watching this was just, you know, the production value, it looks like Southern California. It just looks like Southern California. And so it doesn't have the, am I going to use this word right? It doesn't have the verisimilitude of like mm-hmm. some other movies. I'm trying to think about other movies where you have this like sort of fake, fakey, where they make up a place and you've got to go there. I don't know. Lord of the Rings. Right. <laughs> like this is my second Lord of the Rings poll, but like, you know, it's, I mean, all of fantasy is like that, but I'm trying to think of like invented European countries. And I don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, you know, Harry Potter is in England. They make up a whole, you know, world with Hogwarts and Diagon Alley and all that stuff. I don't know. I, it just it it just is like it looks like Southern California. Nobody has the same accent. No, you know, like little. <laughs> that would have been the easiest thing yeah. to fix, honestly. Yeah. Oh, a, a Christmas Prince. Sure. Didn't we watch that? Uh, Remember? I feel like wasn't Lacey Chabert in that? Yes. And yes. and it was like the same, like, you know, like, oh, and then... Blah, blah, blah. She's from but Philly like, in that movie. I do remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's called Aldovia is what the internet is telling me. But, like, I think I believed in Aldovia more than I believe in <laughs> Genovia, which is terrible. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's it's just... Ooh, how about um that Eddie Murphy movie where he's a Coming to America? Co- yes. Yeah, that I have not seen in... If- I've uh, yeah I haven't seen it in forever, but yeah I mean I I'm I'm trying to like rack my brain here, but just you know it it just they they really didn't put the time or the effort in to well there's the the MCU has that fictional country where a lot of bad things Sokovia, happen. Sokovia that's a, a Russian uh, Russian uh, Soviet bloc country. bloc country yeah yeah. Yeah, Sokovia. I mean, but we also had the question of, like, what is a Sokovia? Like, is it a city? Is (laughs) Is it it a a country? country? Um, (sighs) You know, but at least, look, at least what they were able to do is they gave it a slight, they gave it a history, right? Like, they are a former Soviet bloc country. Everybody who's from there had the same accent. And you got a sense of the history through the characters that we met. 
Yeah, I think that's a good, that's another example. I'm already on the Wikipedia page list of fictional European countries. <laughs> it's <laughs> very long. Is it? It's very long. Yes. Yeah, some of these are going to be, a lot of these are going to be, I don't know. Genovia is on the list. It is a principality between Italy and France. In the film, it is between Spain and France. Either way, it is based on Monaco and to a lesser extent on Andorra. But Mo- when you say Monaco, I have I mean, an Monaco idea. Monaco has a very strong culture. Yes, I have an idea of what that is. That's that's uh, the seaside the, and the, the speed racing, the casinos, and the, casinos and the James Bond, Grace Kelly, yes. right? Like, Grace Kelly, yes. Like, our our father's Chris Pine. Yes, Grace Kelly. That's true. <laughs> yeah, like when you say when you say Monaco, I know, you know that brings to mind an image, right? Genovia is just like I don't know how many extras could we find in in Culver City today. Like that's sort of what it felt like. <laughs> I love your uber specific California. <laughs> Thank references. you. I haven't been to LA in a, in a minute, and I and I miss it. I haven't been outside of my apartment in a minute, so I I. I missed that too. Florin, right? From The Princess Bride. I just got there. You were just reading the Wikipedia page. We are. But like, you know, at least that's a... You don't have to do much to sketch me. You know what I mean? Yes. It is. You need the barest amount of consistency. Okay? Have these people with a consistent accent. A consistent type of dress. Yes, you certainly. know the the papara- the woman who was- and a consistent architecture. Yes, yes, the woman who was the paparazzo who like paparazza. I don't know. Is it is it gendered? <laughs> Maybe uh, um, she was Scottish. She, she was straight up Scottish. She was Scottish and she was wearing plaid the whole time. So I think her deal was that she was genuinely like a Scottish, a Scottish presenter who was like on location because the Brits are genuinely obsessed with like European royalty. Right. Like I, that I was like, okay, she's Scottish. I I mean, I didn't get her whole deal. She was always frying eggs. I didn't understand it. But like, I didn't believe her to be Genovian. I believed her to be Scottish and visiting Genovia. Okay. Right. Although never made clear. Right. So, you know, it 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 leaves you thinking like why or like who are these people and and what do they care about and why are they still so sexist and backwards right <laughs> in in the way that they sort of treat their royalty and their their government system i don't know it uh that's sort of my biggest i don't know that we're going to get an answer other than like it just doesn't seem like they cared very much and it also I wish they had cared about more things than I mean honestly honestly if you asked me what did the people who were producing this movie care the most about I would have said um making moments in the movie that looked good in the trailer yeah like mattress surfing and falling into a a, a fountain and you know charging on a horse like oh these are going to look good in the trailer what else do we care about unclear (laughs) yeah i agree and and so i think yeah what do they what do the people who made this movie care about they didn't care very much about the setting they didn't care very much about the culture the world building aspect of it they also didn't seem to care very much about building the romance building the romance or building the character very much right like you mean of chris pine's character 
or Mia's character. You know, she. Uh, yeah, she. They could have done a lot more with her. Sort of, either give her narration, which it's called the Princess Diary. She could be writing in her diary. Yeah, like either give her narration of what she's writing in her diary, or give her heart to heart talks with Lily or something. But yeah, I mean, we don't we don't really get much of a peek into her actual soul. Right. I mean, and, and and to your point, we don't really understand anything about Chris Pine outside of his singular focus to sort of neg her until he falls in love with her. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I guess Shonda... Yeah, had to cut her teeth on something? Yeah, had to, you know. I Do you have anything else to say? Because I've got one last thing, but I don't know if you want I just want to get to the listener email. Okay. So. So one last thing. Okay, so two last things. Number one is, um, thank you, Chris Pine. You were maybe the best part of this whole movie. Sure. Other than Julie Andrews. Apparently, Princess Diaries 3 is like a thing that... I don't know if it's really a thing. So... If you go to the the website for the author of the Princess Diaries books, she says it's not a thing. Okay. I found an article from Elle from this year. Oh. Where she was saying that you know, she'd if they're gonna do it, she's in. And if, she, ooh, Anne Hathaway, you mean? So Anne Hathaway is on board. She wants to do it. Julie Andrews says, if we're gonna do it, I'd like to do it sooner than later. And we also found that article from I think Entertainment Weekly where Chris Pine this was a few years ago, but Chris Pine was doing promotion for that uh Coast Guard movie I mentioned at the top and Somebody said, do you pray for a Princess Diaries 3 every day? Because I do. And he said in his response, uh, have you been reading my diary? (laughs) And it seems like they had fun on set. Like we found some behind the scenes photos. So, and like all the other actors are like, yeah, I'd come back. So like, it seems to me like it might be in the works, but maybe it's Maybe it would be like Disney Plus only. You know, that. maybe they would keep the budget low and just yeah. send it to... T- Although, I don't know how you keep the budget low with Chris Pine and Anne Hathaway, honestly. Unless you do a thing where it's about their kid, their daughter, I assume, and they have, like, very brief cameos. But I don't yeah. think that really works. I mean, they could... You could do it that way. You know, I'm sure they're both really busy, so... You know, and, and great-grandma mm-hmm. comes for, like, one scene. Yeah, I think you could do that. You mean that. Gr- Oh, great... Yeah, great-grandma. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's our good... You know, I think enough time has passed where they could have a little girl who's maybe, like, getting to be a teenager. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It could be the same age as Mia in the first movie, which I think would be interesting. I don't know what the plot would be, but sure. Bring it on. She's got to save Genovians from the Sokovians. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let me read the listener email. Okay. Uh, This listener's name is Ernest. Hello, Ernest. So it's kind of a long email. Let me see if I can kind of, um, like summarize on the fly which is always hard uh so he did send this in march (laughs) sorry hey sorry (laughs) i've been meaning to send this email for a couple weeks i started watching the good play good place i assume he means the good he said the good play i think he means the good place i started watching the good place in january and finished the series near the start of the month the fastest i've ever made it through a series uh i found your podcast when i got into the third season i like to read reviews and listen to podcasts about things i watch because even though most people i know consider me to be a smart person i feel like there's a lot i miss uh you and me both buddy uh same here (laughs) i think i'm reasonably intelligent i also think that my sister has had to explain metaphors to me (laughs) many many times (laughs) we're all we're all intelligent in our own ways yes I thought your podcast was the most insightful of the many I sampled. Aww, oh, that's really that's sweet. So sweet. 
I think you're both smart, and I really enjoy the way you break down the show and bring outside materials as examples. Yes, if anyone is bringing biblical studies <laughs> to the good place, it was us. Uh, biblical uh, studies also... and supernatural studies. <laughs> yes, right, of course, the, te- the television show Supernatural. Uh, it's also endearing to listen to a podcast which refers to its low listenership and not getting emails. Uh, guilty as charged. Uh, <laughs> one reason why I wanted to write and say thanks. Aww, um, keep in mind these podcasts live forever, at least as long as the modern era of humans. Oh boy, we're not doing great on that front. <laughs> so they'll be relevant as long as the show is. I just completed my first Guilty Knowledge rewatch of the first season and I listened to your episodes as I went along. I was definitely disappointed with the cheating, which I think you generously described. They clearly just didn't know where they they were going in some ways it was better the first time unfortunately so i am vindicated according to this listener yeah. um he suggests we do russian doll we talked uh, about doing russian doll right i think that's why he mentioned it yeah uh and he also says no exit which um i don't know what that is do it's I? the it's the play that the hell is other people play um okay so it's it's basically four people in hell. Oh, Jean Paul Sartre. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you actually took French. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let your French pronunciation <laughs> just hang out there. Um, so the problem with No Exit is that I've I haven't I don't know if I've ever read No Exit, but I've read pretty lengthy synopses of No Exit, and I know that it's like terrifically depressing and 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 fairly terrible. Oh, uh, and 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 that's not where this is the anxiety free cruise, y'all. <laughs> is there like a like a swapped version of no exit that's like exits everywhere <laughs> that we could get into i don't think so <laughs> um i don't know how you feel about doing russian doll uh yeah i mean it's it's i think it would be interesting because it is very much about the reboots i think that's why we discussed doing it because it is mm-hmm. a character dying and and sort of going through a day over and over and over again, which I think would be pretty uh, thematic. Trenchant. Thematically yeah. appropriate. <laughs> I would be up for it. It's, it's, uh, it stars, um, Natasha Leone. Natasha Leone, who, who I, I only remember from, but I'm a cheerleader and I didn't super care for her performance in that, but I don't know. I, uh, I, I know her from American pie, but that tells you who I was hanging out with in like, ninth grade 1999 yeah um eighth grade but yeah i'd certainly be up for that i mean it is i think a little bit i don't think it's anxiety free um Mm. but it could be interesting to do like if we maybe did a theme month of like a bunch of sort of because there are a lot of groundhogs day ish right um but yeah, we could we could think about doing that. I I would be into that. But Ernest, that was so that's so nice of you. Thank you so much for writing in. And we're sorry it took us three months to get to it. <laughs> we promise it's not going to be three months again. No, 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 no. What do we want to do for next time? Probably Star Trek. Okay, I assume. Yeah, yeah. All right, Star Trek sounds good. I really enjoyed the first Star Trek a lot. I think he does a really good job as Kirk, and Zachary Quinto does I think a fantastic job as. Young Spock. And uh, what's-her-face is is Ahura. Yeah, uh, Zoe Saldana. Yes, she's great. She has... I gotta hand it to her. She's taken over the sci-fi world. Well, and she made... Basically made a point of it because she's like, there are so few roles for actresses of color, like, in regular, like, you know, drama and... Or comedy or whatever that she's like... 
whatever. Like, you want me to be green? Cool. I'll be green. Or I'll be blue. Or I'll be whatever. So she's been in this. She's been in Avatar. She's been in uh, the MCU. She's she's kind of killing it as, like, you know, the sort of the the queen of the sci-fi universe in in that way. So I'm I'm happy to see her as Uhura. I think she does a good job. She speaks Klingon. It's pretty cool. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be a good one. Okay. Um, anything else? No, it's time for us to go to bed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until next time, Genovia, Genovia. This song is in English for some reason. <laughs> we'll see you next time, Ding Dogs. I mean, Clueless, I think, was 96. Oh, wow. <laughs> did, did some, was that a firework or did someone just fall down your stairs? <laughs> that was a firework. That was, that was uh, the, the ruffians in my neighborhood going, we're really excited about the closet. <laughs> All the jewelry. <laughs> um, uh, I love that tiara. Okay. Then the servant comes in and is like, look, you're, uh, Mabry, uh, oh my god, I'm sorry. Uh, oh god. Okay, I'm gonna take that again. Yeah. Um. All right, hold on. I have to. I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be okay. right back. Okay. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that Brianna can't sleep. Oh, say do those fireworks just keep going on for no reason in the land of the bagels and the home of Brianna. I was really hoping to get a burst of fireworks, but I guess not. Oh, man. Oh, there they are. I got it. I got them. Boop a doo. I guess it's also the home of the nets. And the home of the nets. Did I miss any big boom booms? Oh yeah. <laughs> They're like, where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs>